1: Welcome to Butterfly Moments, everybody, with your host, Cindy, Cynthia Jordan. I'm so glad you could join us this evening because she's got a great topic, and I'm looking very much forward to hearing her wisdom and her insight and her spiritual insights as to how we deal with things in our lives that some may perceive as not so awfully pleasant. So welcome your host, and let's hear what Cindy has to say.
2: Good evening there, Cindy. Barbara. Hello, Barbara. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. You asked me what we should do this evening, and one thing that I think is happening a lot, way too much, is fear. Too much fear, too much confusion, too much chaos, and that fear is being presented on the screens that we watch, the television, our telephone, our computers. There's so much information coming at us. And I think that fear is a tactic to control people. It motivates people into the flight-fight instinct that we have. And it's just not fair so I've learned that fear is really an illusion when you understand who you really are your authentic self when you really understand that you are part of the essence of an unconditional love that like your show says you're never alone when you really get that and you don't feel detached from that fear pretty much has no power on you in fact it has zero power on you when you do that and but the way that i think like, in
1: a, don't ahead. you think in a way though that we've been taught to fear rather than to be brave and spiritual and and, and understand Things from from childhood, we've been, you know, if you do that, it's going to hurt. If you do that, it's going to hurt. If you do that, I'll spank you and you won't do it again. And so the element, of, the element of fear has been sort of programmed into us from a very, very young age.
2: It has. And like I said, you know, we have two instincts, two basic instincts that we share with all living things, and that's procreation and survival. And fear motivates the survival instinct. But then also at some level when you understand that our soul chose to have this human experience I think we might have had a little conversation with God said put me in the game God said well it's dark, it's painful (laughs) there's pain there is you know poverty, there's illness, there's, you know, the darkness. Oh, oh, it can't be that bad. Throw me in the game. (laughs) Just throw me in the game. (laughs) I really think that all of the souls that come, that agree to the human experience, and I'm just talking in kind of a way just to understand, this is the way I like to understand things, because... I've learned so much, and that's the good thing about getting older is that we learn and we learn, and then it seems that it's less trouble that we accept things for what it is a little bit more easier than we did when we were younger. So metaphorically speaking, so, okay, God, you make this deal with God, and God says, only the brave ones go. Yeah, but but I, I, I want to go. I want to know my, I want to know who I am because I'm like a fish that doesn't know it's wet, <laughs> right? I want, I want okay. the land of, because God says it's the land of contrast, okay? It's the land of contrast. Well, throw me in the game. And so you have the darkness and the light. And then we have our childhood that we go through, like you said, and then we, you know, we have our teens, oh my gosh, the teens, what a crazy yeah. time that is, and then we go decade to decade to decade, and I've learned that fear, in in the most fearful times, or the most times that it was kind of a life-death situation, that kind of thing, I just have, uh, I just say no to the fear. I just say no, you have no power here because I am aligned with unconditional love, the greatest power in the universe. You have no power here. You have no power here. And that in itself is empowering. What are you talking to? I don't know. You know, it, but when you get your Self into a state, an emotional state where you are looking at fear, people, what, whatever the situation say, no, no, I am aligned with that which created everything, which is that empty space. It's in all the empty space. And you and I have talked about that before, about people who have out-of-body experiences, they see the light and they know the light is right here so when you blow everything up a million times it's all empty space everything's empty space so what I do is I just go into the empty space I I am the the drop that becomes the ocean and I call on everything and I say uh, and I align myself with that And then miracles happen from there for me. So, uh, of course, fear, we have fear of acceptance. That's probably one of the biggest fears that humans have because without your tribe, you get kicked off the island. If the tribe, you know, that goofy I don't like that show Survivor. I think it's a horrible show. Because <laughs> yeah. it, it is. And people go, Oh, this thing gets kicked off the island and they're all rooting for, you know, oh yeah, he had to go. That's mean. It's so primordial. It's such a primordial idea where I feel like in the new age, Barbara, that we are Saying, let's all learn how to live together, and celebrate our differences, and live together in harmony. With Uh because if you have if your home if your base is love, and you know that that's what you are, it's impossible to be ugly to people. You turn, in other words, what what I've done, and I used to have a children's ministry what I used to teach the kids is when someone's ugly to you, whatever, guess what? It's not your problem. They have the problem. And so instead of taking things personally, like Miguel Ruiz talks about, when when you react with compassion for that person, knowing that there's something going on with them to lash out at you or there's something in their past or something has happened that's negative, because that's what makes people lash out to people on a personal level, and I mean, I have, I know friends and people that they hurt my feelings. And no, don't go to victim. Don't go to victim. Uh, the Celestine Prophecy talks about the controlling dramas and one of them is the victim and the bully. The, those are two of them, the bully and the victim. And how many times have we seen a bully turn into the victim? Uh-huh. Uh, any of us that have been in some kind of abusive relationship and have been harmed emotionally or physically by somebody who is a bully, the bully will twist it around and all of a sudden start blaming you, like it's your fault and they're the victim somehow. I don't know how they do that, and they but they do. And the other two. I think
1: in, Go ahead. in in a way though, that kind of reaction when they when they attack is basically they feel threatened and they're fearful and so they're attacking you before you attack them. And I think in the moment if you recognize the fact that this is coming from fear. This is not coming from meanness. It's coming from fear. Mm-hmm. They're afraid of something. Fear has triggered them and they're attacking you. And you know they're they're going to try to control or hurt you in order to make you stop putting them in a fearful position.
2: Well, I know that one time when I was with the man, my second husband, I was in the bathroom uh-huh. just painting my toenail. <laughs> That's all I was doing, and he came at me with a three fifty seven and put it to my head, and I was doing zero, nothing except painting my toenail. Because he had been triggered. He had PTSD from Vietnam and I don't know what it was. And he started telling me that he was going to kill me even kill himself with this I don't know if you ever seen a three fifty seven, but they're they're big guns. You know?
1: They're a big gun, yeah. And
2: they are it's a big gun. He put it up at my head. And I remember when that happened that I had no fear. This peace came over me. This overwhelming peace came over me. One thing I knew because of I knew the way that he was, that if I reacted any way, Barbara, I was a goner. If uh-huh. I tried to run, if I tried to grab the gun, anything, or showed fear, uh-huh. I was a goner. I knew that. So this piece just—I mean, it was—I'll never forget it. And all I was thinking is, oh, doggone it! My family's going to find me here. Going to—I'm going to be all over these bathroom walls. It was a little bathroom. Sort <laughs> of thinking like that. It's a great. My my poor family. And gee, I wish I could have said goodbye to my daughter. You know. Uh huh. Those, those were the thoughts that were going through my head at the time. And his eyes were yellow. His they were rolling around. His the voice that was coming out of him wasn't his voice. It was demonic. So, I believe and I've witnessed when they talk about people who've been possessed by demons. I think people uh-huh. that have gone through some kind of severe trauma, that they are fertile ground for. The darkness, for dark entities to, to come inside, because that wasn't the person I knew that was talking to me. And I looked at the, I was looking at the shower, I mean a tiny bathroom, and I was looking at the shower, and I was thinking, "You know I like some spinach enchiladas. I heard myself actually say <laughs> that out out loud. No kidding. I said, hey, Let's go get some spinach enchiladas. And those words came out of my mouth. I don't know where they came from. They just did, Barbara. And so what happened was he kind of looked at me, kind of confused, like, Did you hear me? I told you I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to kill you, then kill myself. And he just got louder and meaner. And margaritas. What I had done was <laughs> change the subject. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, now I can laugh about it, but I, but he was going for it. He was confused. And because I, no kidding, I, I had no fear. Yeah, let's go. You know, we'll get some margaritas. And those spinach enchiladas are so good. Let's go. I'm hungry. And I kept talking like that and the gun went down, finally, because he was was at the doorway. I mean, there, there was no place for me to go. And we went to the car, and I intentionally left my purse in the car. He had laid the gun on the bedroom dresser. And I got in the car, and I went, oh, gosh, I forgot my purse. Well, went back in there and hid that doggone thing when he could not find it. Uh And then went and got spinach enchiladas (laughs) and margaritas. (laughs) And he popped out of it. But uh, I know I experienced that. It's very real. There might be people listening right now that have experienced something like that. And it's real. People that have gone through trauma... They're just very, very fertile ground for the darkness to to overtake them. And this would happen to him. You never knew it was going to happen. You know, we could go two weeks, two days, three months between episodes when he would do this. And I finally <laughs> left because it was too... That line, that little skinny line was just too fragile and one time it he could just cross it very very easily and what's interesting about that was there you have the bully right but uh-huh. i saw him as a victim but i saw him as a victim i didn't see him as a bully i saw him as a victim of the vietnam war and there i'm 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 a patriotic person <laughs> and I thought it was my duty to help this poor soldier overcome the trauma that he experienced in Vietnam. He had three Purple uh-huh. Hearts. He had been shot down in helicopters three different times, and that's what he was a gunner in in the helicopter. And I mean, he was just a kid. He was like what twenty, nineteen, twenty years old, and uh-huh. had gone through this trauma and. I just couldn't leave him because I was aware of this. But then I realized at one point that I was the victim here <laughs> and that I needed to get out of that I needed to get out of there. And it was it was a hard thing to do. But but I had no fear. I had no fear. Fear only happens really in a situ in a situa- situation like that. When if you're afraid to die, and I know now I'm not afraid to die, I'm just not. I know that crossing over is a beautiful, beautiful experience, and so I'm not afraid to die, but that spiritually my spiritual self uh-huh. is not afraid to die, and that that kind of floods my my head. But my human self wants to stay in the game. I love being alive. I love the earth. I love nature. I love people. I love the stories that people tell. I love music. I love making music. So I wanna I wanna be here. This is my choice. I wanna be alive, I wanna be here. But I'm not afraid to die. When uh so another story Let's go to economics there. My husband, uh, we were in the oil business, and when I first met him, he was driving brand new Lincolns, they had two airplanes, he was in the oil business, you know, just money was just gushing everywhere. And then boom, 1980s, it crashed big time. So his income went to zero. And we had this ranch, and we were trying to make ends meet. And I had written Jose Cuervo, so the money from the royalties from that was helping out, but it was getting pretty bad. And so he was sitting in his desk in his in the office, and I had walked in, and he was had his hands in his or his head in his hands. And he says we are three payments behind, and the uh, they're going to foreclose on the ranch. And I looked at him, and I smiled, and I said, "Just give it to the big guy." We needed about fifty. We we to close to six thousand dollars, and it was like fifty six hundred and something to is what we needed to not be foreclosed on. And it was within just a couple of days after that, he sat there and he said, okay, you do it, because I'm lost. Guess what happened? A check showed up in our mailbox for some insurance policy he'd forgotten about that was about 65 cents over what we needed. (laughs) Just showed up. Even just with those two incidents and understanding that that was not my, I wasn't in my human self when those things happened. I was, uh, my mind was in my spiritual self when those things happened. Then you understand that. Uh, when you ask, or there, in other words, there's really nothing to fear. It's like there's no fear, God is here. There's no fear, God is here. And I've come to find out, or come to learn, there's that great song, Sometimes I Ask God for Unanswered Prayers, that uh-huh. when you absolutely know, absolutely know, not not will you please or can or hope or is God really listening, but you absolutely know that you are one with that divine energy that creates everything and loves you more than you can even, more beyond comprehension how much you are loved. When you know that, not believe it, you know the difference between knowing and believing, Believing, Mr. Mr. Johnson believes those are his kids. Mrs. Johnson knows they're hers, okay? (laughs) So there's a difference between knowing and believing. When you know that you are not alone, when you know that you are, your true essence is one with the divine in that empty space, that goes for trillions and trillions of galaxies beyond here, when you know that you are that and that that energy is love, when you know that, there's no fear there's no fear because our like I said the, in your in our human instinct, the flight fight instinct that we have that's where fear pops in, fear of acceptance, fear of not having enough of what you need, it be it money, a place to live, food, whatever. Fear, 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 fear. I think the worst fear is uh, your teenage kids out at night <laughs> <No>. <laughs> waiting, waiting, for your, waiting for your teenage kids to get home. I think that's, that's the worst one I've ever been in. But
1: I think you're right. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know it. You know everybody that's listening to some teenagers go. Yep, that's right. Because, but sending a protective whatever with that. But but the most important thing is to trust.
0: Trust
2: that whatever the outcome is is for the highest benefit of the soul. Going back into that little soul that says, put me in the game, put me in the game. So a lot of us, probably everyone, has been through some kind of trial, some kind of challenge, and that is in the past now, and we're still here. We're still here, and we're learning, and that's what I've come to understand of late, that that little soul keeps saying, let's do it again, let's do it again. (laughs) <laughs> because God said, <laughs> because God said, did you learn everything? Well, yeah, kinda. Let's do it again. Let's do it again, right? And and what happens, I think Barbara is, is that you, you do it again. You've got a new lifetime. You, you know, you bring remnants from your past lifetime and and memories and attitudes from your past lifetime and. And the game is to be self-realized, to know your authentic self, to know who you really are, which is one with what some people call God, what some people call source, what some people call creator. It doesn't matter what you call it. It's that vibrant energy that is magnified a gazillion from that same energy that you have when you hold your child for the first time, that just pure, unconditional love.
1: What do you do when um, just about everybody has had a trauma of some sort in their life? Or, or, you know, by the time they get to be 50 or 60, if they haven't, they're very lucky. But what happens if there is a childhood trauma that you can't seem to let go on, and yet it It infects every aspect of your life going forward how do you how do how do people you know you know knowing there's a trauma, understanding that you're through it and that it did not you didn't die or you weren't whatever but the trauma, the memory of it is so real that it keeps mm-hmm. infecting your life how do you get how do how do you what do you say to people who just can't let go of that trauma?
2: Well, pain can be addictive, too, in a way, because you learn how to live with that pain, right? It's kind of like living with a bad leg. You just learn how to live, and it's, it's part of your reality. It's interesting you would ask about this because I know a woman who, when she was nine years old, her baby brother was three. They were in the back seat of a car, and it was really before seatbelts. And he was playing with the door and he fell out of the car. And she was screaming, stop the car, stop the car, stop the car. And the mother wasn't listening. And the mother and the child ended up dying. And the mother blamed her for it. And to this day, the woman's in her 50s now. She says, I'm sorry for everything. I'm, I think she says, I'm sorry. At, I counted one time 80 times through the day that I was with her. And she said, I'm sorry. Like she'll say, I'm sorry, I didn't ask you if you want coffee. So she apologizes for everything. I mean, you don't apologize for not asking someone for coffee. You say everything. I'm I'm sorry, did you want are you hungry? I didn't ask you if you're hungry. I'm sorry. And, and so she would do that. And then the other thing she would do is she would yell at her family, you never listen to me, you never listen to me, you never listen to me. Well, this is a 9-year-old child.
1: Uh-huh. And
2: and I, I I know her family. And some I said, somebody's got to tell her that it wasn't her fault. Somebody has to tell her it wasn't her fault this happened. And she's carried it with her all the way through. And I think the key to a childhood trauma, whatever it is, is forgiveness. That's it. Forgiveness and understanding that that trauma was, you were a child, so you're you're not, so the first thing you have to do is understand it wasn't your fault. You are not to blame, no matter, and I think a lot of people when trauma happens, they think somehow it's their fault or their abuser or whatever blames it on the child. Like this mother blamed this trauma on this poor little nine-year-old girl. So, the first thing you need to under- or that needs to be understood is that it a child whatever it is, whatever happened to that child, it's not the child's fault; they did not deserve it, whatever that is number two is the child needs to if if it was something that was abusive or ugly act done to that child, I would say they have to learn forgiveness and again. It wasn't your fault. It wasn't your fault. Because I think children think that they did something because, like what you said earlier, children are punished when they're bad. So when something bad, you know, you were bad, so you get a spanking. You were bad, so this happens. You get bad, so this happens. Well, did that trauma happen because I was bad? And unfortunately, Barbara I think people take that with them through their lives. You know, they they think I, I what did I do to deserve that? Have you I mean we do that. What did I do to deserve that? And, or and you might even be talking to God. What did I do, God, to deserve that? Because in the Old Testament we learn that God is vengeful. God does bad things to bad people in the Old Testament. So if you go down that line of thinking, what did I do that was so bad? I remember being really, really sick when I was seven years old, and my mother still talks about this. I was in the hospital with some kind of horrible infection in my uh, solar plexus, and I kept telling my mother, Mommy, what did I do that was so bad? What did I do that was so bad? So, for the child, somebody just needs to tell them, nothing. <laughs> you didn't deserve you didn't deserve this. This was this was out of your control. This isn't because you were bad, you know. Anyway, and it's so sad when people are not free and clean from trauma, childhood trauma, Barbara. It is.
1: It is Yeah and, and, and in in a in a way though, I mean it is a lesson to learn something. To to learn forgiveness. Sure. Uh yes. first for yourself and then for the person that, that presented the lesson to you. I mean there's right. there's always a reason for everything that happens and Right. Um I I think that finding the positive spin on it for me has always has always helped whether you know whatever the the issue was i'm sure i'm sure you know i i've been through traumas and they it, it's hurtful and it's yes. it's devastating i mean when i was oh gosh probably 12 or 13 my parents went through a divorce and and during that time it was a long time ago divorce was a sin divorce was um, oh wow! I, I mean, li- literally, parents told kids to not play with my sister and I because we came from a divorced family. Oh my And goodness. so, so you know, it, it's sometimes you're put in situations that are so hurtful, and you don't understand why, and mm-hmm. and yet the hurt is there, and it comes mm-hmm. the understanding and the com- and the compassion comes years and years and years later but in the meantime the hurt is still molding you into the person that you're going to become so that so that there's a lot of undoing that you have to do in order to get yourself to a place where you understand compassion and forgiveness and can learn love and sharing love in 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 a way that is unconditional and that's hard, and not everybody makes it the first time around. So, you know, Except, you, you, well, you may take a, you may take a number of, you know, runs around the barn before you actually get through the barn door.
2: <laughs> exactly. Getting back to that initial thing. Okay, God, put me in the game. Are you sure you want to get in the
3: game?
2: <laughs> yeah, throw me in there. You're going to the land of contrast. It's not like it is here. This is bliss, light, everything's wonderful. You can eat chocolate cake all day long and not get fat here. <laughs> oh <Not laughs> heaven. <laughs> but if you go to earth, it's a beautiful place, but it's a land of contrast. But I think, Barbara, I think we're evolving. I think we're spiritually evolving into... A world where that doesn't happen, where people aren't ugly to children, where children are respected, where people are respected, where love abounds, where there is abundance for everyone. We can have that now. We could have that now. If we all just said we can have that now and we're going to have that now. Because we're still in flight, fight, in our, in wars. Oh my gosh. People trying to hurt each other. Wars. Look at the division that's happening in our country right now and throughout the world. It's been going on forever. The powers that be love to see people, races, hate each other you know but when you change your shift your thought people learn to hate you're not a baby's born does not hate anybody that's a learned that's something that's learned and it's a tribal mentality they are from a different tribe than we are and they're different than us you stay away from them they're bad we judge the tribe instead of saying hey Cool culture, cool music. You're cool. Let's let me see what you do. I remember one time talking about religion. I was at there's a, a thing called Curves. I don't know if they still have it in in Nashville, but I used to go to Curves. And I was doing my little exercises next to this woman, and she looked Hispanic, but she was she wasn't Hispanic. She was actually from. Like India, Pakistan, something over there, and I and I asked her. I don't know how we got to the subject, but she told me she was Hindu. I said, "Really? Tell me what it's like to be Hindu. Tell me what you believe." And so she just was smiling and telling me how it's a loving religion, and it's, it's the oldest religion, and just all these wonderful little customs, all kinds of things. And I looked at her and I said, I think I'm Hindu, too, because everything you just said (laughs) was in alignment with what Jesus talked about, everything she said, Uh that she said, right? Um, There's, you know, just just because you're Christian or you call yourself a Christian doesn't make you a good person Uh, from my experience. From my my true. experience, right. In fact, um, when people say I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Really? Okay. What's that mean? Does that mean that you act like Christ because you're not acting like Christ right now? <laughs> <laughs> um, or does it mean that you're that you're that you're in that understanding that you're saved and you can get away with anything and you're still going to be okay? Is it that mindset, so you can just go hurt people or judge people or do whatever you want, and you're still going to go to heaven because you've declared that you're a Christian? I mean, I've I've had that experience too. I tell people personally, I love Jesus. I just love Jesus. I think Jesus, I would have liked to hang out with him. I would have loved to be in that group that just followed him around all the time because he was such an awesome, awesome man, a beautiful, beautiful man. Does that make me a Christian? Mm, No, not really. Uh, I don't call myself a Christian. I just tell people I love Jesus. So, in other words, when you label yourself, that saying, when you label yourself, you negate yourself, Wonder if you say i'm right. part of the human wonder if you just say I'm part of the human race because that's what we are we're all we are a human race and uh, we have we're
1: a, but we're a family we're too
2: right we're we're pink on the inside <laughs> on the outside we might have different color, but we're all pink on the inside. <laughs> right and and it. Really has to do with environment the the people that come came from Africa that have ancestors that are from Africa or some of these countries where there's a lot of sun, their skin is a little darker okay that's it it has to do with how much sun their ancestors had to protect them uh-huh. from skin cancer I mean that's really what it is it's an it's the magic, it's the beauty of our creator that helps us to adapt to survive. And that's yeah, different.
1: I, I taught a class once and it was in college. Um I was uh-huh. I was a uh, I was a guest speaker and I it it had to do with, with um sexism, it had to do with different cultures and how there were Uh, There was anger against some and not others, and and so I said, I I have here on this board um, pictures of ten people. I I want you to tell me their sex. I want you to tell me what race they belong to and, if possible, religion. So get out your pencil and paper, you know, one through ten. This will take you five minutes, and I uncovered this picture, and it was just... Um, the outlines, just just oh, black outlines. And they, cool. you know, one girl said, well, well, wait, you know, how can we tell? And I looked at the <laughs> outlines and I said, you know, you're absolutely right. What about if I gave you more insight into what they look like? And everybody said, yeah, we're ready. And so I uncovered the next picture, which were x-rays of their bodies. Oh, how cool. And somebody said, that's not fair, they all look alike. <laughs> and I said, want to say that again for everybody? <laughs> and 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 it was like, you know, it was sort of like uh, underneath the skin, we are all exactly alike. We're pink. And yes. yeah, we're pink, yeah. <laughs> but but you know and and you know one one girl you know looked very confused, and I said, "What's your problem?" And she said, "I never thought about it this way. I always looked at just the, the outside. I never thought about the inside. I said, "You know something you ought to consider because the inside is where the heart is, it's where the spirit rests, it's where all the important stuff goes on, because without your insides, you don't have outsides."
2: That is so clever, Barbara. Did you think that up yourself? That is so clever. What a wonderful oh, perspective
1: that was, well, that you know, when, when people are are talking about different races or different cultures or different anything I mm-hmm. mean it's just the outside that is is a determinant if you're looking visually right. and and you know, some some people try to really figure it all out just from their shadows, and you know, forget the X-rays. But um, nobody got anything right. It was just phenomenal, and it was. And I told them they're equal, male, female, and there are you know different cultures here, different. And I even listed the different cultures and the different religions. Nobody got anything right.
2: Of course not. Isn't that great?
1: That's absolutely brilliant.
2: I love that, how you did that. There is it no was
1: difference. cool. It nope.
2: Is, it is. And Jesus has some great one-liners. For instance, he said, whatever you do to anyone, you do the same thing to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now that's something to think about. Whatever you do to someone else, you do the same to me because we all are the essence of, of God. That beautiful greeting or when we say goodbye to someone and we say namaste, that uh-huh. I, it, it's the same of what you just said. I see that we are really the same, that we are the same. We are... I see the God essence in you. The God essence in me sees the God essence in you.
1: Well, and, and and, when you look at the spirit, the spirit has mm-hmm. no physicality, so the spirits are all identical.
2: Exactly. Exactly. I
1: mean, different so experiences. Into, pardon me? It, they have different experiences. They're different places. In their evolutions, but, you know, the foundational material is all exactly the same.
2: Right. Do you happen to have that song that still queued up that I gave you last week? Do you still have any of that music queued up still?
1: I I do. It depends on what you're looking for. I mean, it. I I gave it, you yes. a song that, that's
2: called This Song is for You.
1: Okay, let me just Uh, see here. See
2: if you could because I remember last
1: week we said, let's play
2: that one next week. This song is for you.
1: Still looking. Yeah, I have it. Do you want me to play it?
2: Okay. Yeah, uh, let me explain how that song so everybody that's listening, I'm a songwriter, I'm a composer and I have learned about God through my journey with music. And so I was with a young friend of mine who was an uh, alcoholic. And he had gotten himself into a place where he was only drinking and he was coughing up blood. He was in a bad, bad, and had the shakes. And he was only in his 20s, middle, mid-20s, just in bad, bad shape. And so after spending an afternoon with him, I wrote this song. And it's uh, you have built a wall around your body and your heart, and you won't cross this line. You're stuck inside the prison of your mind. I love that line about you're stuck in the prison of your mind. It's like what you uh-huh. said earlier, why we can't let go of a of a trauma. It keeps you in prison. It does. And it it does and then there's more that you'll all hear and then my other favorite line is we come into this world knowing everything so a baby comes in knowing everything and then as far as they knowing their authentic self knowing that they're about ready to have this human experience and then they be, they forget and then, when you're enlightened, is the time when you remember who uh-huh. you are. So let's play, let's play that song.
1: Okay. Okay.
3: You have built. Been- all around your body And your heart And you won't cross that line You are stuck inside The prison of your mind I've been down that road. the secrets of life I will be your candle in the night I've been down that road and felt the way you down that road and felt the way you do So friends this song
2: there it is. Are we huge? Are we stupid?
1: <laughs> Great song, Cindy.
2: Well, it, that sounds like it could be your Nightlight theme song. <laughs> you're, you're not alone. You are loved. You're no. not alone. That's what
1: Nightlight is all about.
2: Reminding well, people you know, you're so not alone.
1: What's I think that? That, that when you and I decided that, that we were going to do a show um, right. it it now i started this show 13 years ago and that right that intro was written there and the last line of the intro is nightlight is a reminder that you are never alone and you wrote a book called butterfly moments and the very yes. last statement in that book was remember you are not alone so
2: you are not alone right
1: I think it's it's really important, you know there's a message there, everybody does it from their own perspective, hopefully right. trying to let people know that 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 we're not alone, and all you have to yeah. do is open your heart to to realize that
2: exactly, and also to that going back to the theme of our show tonight, when you're not alone, when you know when you're pulling. When you're pushing that boulder up the mountain, all you have to do is say, "God, I need some help here." <laughs> yeah. God because you can't lose when God's on your team, and that's just a shift of awareness. Just say, "Wait, I'm not uh-huh. here God, God's on my team. Hey, God, help me push this <laughs> boulder up the mountain? okay, because God always says yes." Or he, all, God always says yes, or something, or expect something better. That's what I've learned. Uh-huh. When you completely yeah, that's, trust,
1: that's that's very true. I think um, I describe it a little differently. It's sort of like it's it's one of those moments when you think, "I got it. I know what I'm supposed to do. Thanks. I'll take it from here." and you just you know whenever i whenever i make that statement to myself ah this is what they want me to do okay i got uh-huh. it i'm going to plow ahead and that's when i know i'm about to hit a, a brick wall because <laughs> sitting back and and allowing something to evolve uh-huh. is the way it's supposed to work and and yet right. if if you decide you know, I ca I can skip the first five steps and just go from here, thank you very much, I'll take it from here and and the reality is you don't. And you're basically many times sent back to square one to allow the universe right. to steer you instead of you doing the steer, steering. And um <laughs> Throw those it's very oars overboard. Yep, yeah, you gotta you
2: gotta throw those oars over you know, that's a beautiful song. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream, merrily, 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 merrily. Down the stream, right? Merrily, merrily,
1: happily, happily, happily.
2: Life is but a dream. I can't tell you the
1: times. I can't tell you the times I have told people if you want to paddle upstream, go for it, but you're going to end up downstream with the rest of us. Yep. And we're having a big party, so,
2: so there it is. There it is. Oh, this has Absolutely. been fun. What what a, what a great what a great show. So so uh, how did, would you what, what would you like to say to everybody, Barbara, about fear?
1: Um, fear is is not meant to be nasty, it's meant to be a lesson to get over, and as soon as you realize that it's a lesson to get over and through, it makes you stronger, and it gives you a better perspective on life. But if you let fear, fear rule you, your journey comes to a standstill until you have learned to step over it.
2: Right. Do you know? Have you ever known anybody that has that, they can't leave their house What's that called? It starts with an A.
1: Agar- okay. Agoraphobia? Agoraphobia. Yeah. I have a cousin
2: yeah. who's married to a girl, and she cannot leave her house. Wow. She Once in a while, she'll go to the grocery store. And they have four grandchildren now, but she can't. And she takes care of the kids all day. And she's happy, happy, happy to do that. But she cannot leave her house. And she's just a a darling person because of fear. Isn't that sad?
1: Very sad. But what's even sadder right now is we're out of time. So you want to tell people how to find you and...
2: (laughs) Okay. Well, you can find me at Cynthia Productions. And it tells my story. And there's uh, three books that are available for download. I've written 18 books altogether, but Butterfly Moments is actually at Cynthia Productions. Just go there, go to the sample page, I think it is, and just download the book. It's the first book I ever wrote, but people still tell me how that book's actually changed their lives, so, and uh, say hi. There's a little place where you can just kind of email me something, so say hello. I'd love to. I'd love to hear from you.
1: Terrific, and we will be back here uh, next week or the week after, depending on, you know, Cynthia's uh, busy schedule. And uh, Yeah, I like the every other week.
2: I think that works the best for us. And um, I always
1: love talking with you, Barbara.
2: We've known each other a long time, and you're a good friend. Thank you for doing this. This has been fun.
1: Totally my pleasure, and I will get a hold of you, and we'll figure out when next we're going to be together here.
2: Okay. Okay. Thank you, everyone.
1: Blessings to everyone. Namaste.
2: Namaste. Bye-bye.
1: Okay, everybody, tune in tomorrow. going to be a show very different from this one, but uh, interesting nonetheless. Uh, So Night Light tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Central. We'll see you then. Good night now.